Mark chapter 10, we'll begin in verse number 46. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garments, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Father God, we thank you so much for this wonderful story of Bartimaeus. Lord, we've, we've seen it and read it and used it as an illustration so many times. What a picture it is. Blind Bartimaeus pictures us all in so many ways. And so I pray today as we look at it that you will fill me with your spirit. Help me, Lord, to have uh, clarity of thought and clarity of speech. I pray that everything I say would be exactly what you once said, that you would protect me from saying anything I ought not. And just help us today, Lord, all of us, to think about this and apply it to our lives. And uh, may we see in Bartimaeus a picture of us all. And may we respond as he did. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus is now only 15 miles from Jerusalem on his journey to the cross. And in his urgency to get there, in his urgency to accomplish that task for which he came, this little interaction with Bartimaeus takes place, and this little action reminds us that he still had time for one person who was in need. This is, I believe, the very last recorded miracle of healing that at least Mark wrote about, and it gives us something wonderful. It does give us a picture of uh, of someone uh, who really is a picture of us all. In blind Bartimaeus, in his blindness and poverty, we see that he pictures all those who are without Christ. In his unquenchable faith and urgency to get to Christ, he pictures all of us on our way to salvation. And in his loyalty in following Jesus, he pictures the disciples that we all can and should be. So he's a picture of us all. So let's look at this story just for a few minutes this morning. And I want to use three words to outline his experience today. I want to use the word felt, and then the word followed, I mean, sorry, found, and then followed. Felt, found, and followed. Those three words, if you're interested in uh, trying to keep that straight in your mind. First of all, the word felt. Bartimaeus needed Jesus, and he felt that need. Bartimaeus was blind. He was also very poor. And both of those, unfortunately, were very common situations in that time and place. I have been to Jerusalem four times now. And on at least two of those visits, there's a particular site that we would go and visit. And I've told you about this fellow before. But there's a site there that when you would walk into the door to this, it's kind of like a shrine type thing, uh, famous place. There would be a blind beggar standing there, always in the exact same position, always standing in the exact same place. I think he was always wearing the same clothes. He always had his eyes closed, and he always had his hand out like that. 
twice. I've seen him the first time. I didn't think anything of it. The second time was several years later, and he was still standing there exactly the same. So then I did take notice. And then sometime after that, I bought a souvenir book of, uh, you know, vis- pictures of the Holy Land. And had come to the picture of that place, and there he stood. I don't know when that one was taken, but there he stood. He looked exactly the same. And when I come to that, and I think about that, or when I try to think about Bartimaeus, I cannot help but picture him because I wonder how much Bartimaeus would have looked like that. Blind, poor, and begging. And of course the application to us is pretty obvious, isn't it? Without Christ, that's all of us. We are all blind. And we are all poor. And we are all beggars. Isaiah said we grope for the wall like the blind and We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. Paul spoke of those whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Jesus rebuked the church at Laodicea for their blindness. He said in Revelation chapter 3, You say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, but you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, Blind and naked. Blindness is such a picturesque illustration of the state of the lost. I mean, think about it. I cannot help but think of the men of Sodom. Do you remember the story of Sodom? And we won't, we won't go there. We won't spend any time on it. But if you know the story, you'll remember what happened. The men of Sodom who were struck blind by their sin because of their sin. And yet they were wearying themselves to find the door. They were blind, but they were also apparently oblivious to the fact that they were blind. Blind to their blindness. Can you picture them walking about, bumping into each other, bumping into things, bumping into walls? Not even realizing their need. Not even knowing it was true. That's a picture. It's a picture of our world today. And it's certainly a picture of the lost in every time and place. Bartimaeus was blind. He was poor, and he knew it. He had no illusions about it. He was quick to point out his blindness as his great need. When Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Verse number 51. Christian, do you remember the day that you felt your need for Christ? Do you remember the day when you saw it? Do you remember the day when you truly felt the weight of your sin and your need for forgiveness? All of us have to start there. All of us. And sadly, I think most who never find Christ fail right there. They think they're okay. They don't feel their need. They're blind, but they don't know they're blind. They walk through life bumping into things like the men of Sodom. They never feel their need for sight. And, and my friends, un- until you get there, like Bartimaeus got there, you can go no further. Until you feel the need for the Savior, you'll never find the Savior. Is that your case this morning? Have you ever felt it? Have you ever felt your need? And, and, and there may be some in this room. I, I, I know there are many people all over the world who have never turned their life over to Jesus because they, they don't feel that need. Is that you? In your most honest and candid moments of self-reflection and self-examination, do you come away saying, I don't see it. I think I'm okay. Is that you? Because you're never going to get anywhere with Christ until you come to the place where you feel your need. I have a friend that I've witnessed to on some occasions. 
And on his, on one of his most candid moments, I think this only happened one time, but on his most candid moments, he said to me, I just can't see it. I don't think I need a Savior. I don't feel lost. I don't think I need to be saved. Such a one is blind, and not only blind, but blind to their blindness, oblivious to the reality of their need. And I don't think there's a more dangerous place anywhere to be than that. Imagine if this scene had unfolded differently. Imagine if, uh, for example, Bartimaeus were sitting there begging while the crowd passed by. Imagine him wondering about the noise and asking someone nearby what was happening. Imagine him hearing the approach of uh, the Savior. And imagine a person next to him bumping him and saying, Hey, Bartimaeus, this man heals the blind. Why don't you go to him? Imagine if uh, Bartimaeus turned his dead blind eyes in the general direction of that voice and said, Blind? I'm not blind. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? But that's the way so many are today. If that's you... I want to suggest to you today that you need to cry out and pray for something. You need to say, open my eyes, Lord, that I may see. You need to pray that God would help you to see your need for the Savior. Because not recognizing your blindness is not an excuse. It's not going to avail you anything. You need the Savior. Well, that's the first word is felt. The second word is found. Bartimaeus ran to Jesus and found his Savior. Now, I don't know about you, but I love this story. And that's why I've probably used it so many times as an illustration in so many sermons. What a wonderful scene this was that took place here. This blind man felt his need for healing and heard that one was passing by who could heal him. The only one who could heal him. And, of course, being blind, he couldn't see Jesus. He could only do one thing, and that one thing was cry out loudly. And ask for mercy. We see that in verse number 47. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And some, of course, around him tried to quiet him down. But he was going to have none of that. And in verse number 48, he cried out the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And then I think some of the most wonderful words that have ever been spoken in Scripture, ever written in Scripture, occurred. And that's those four words that start off verse number 49. Look at those words. You may want to underline those in your Bible. They're glorious. So Jesus stood still. Jesus stood still. One person wrote, Oh, what a Savior is mine. Unto the uttermost, wonderful, glorious, Oh, what a Savior is mine. Think about that. Think about that. He is coming. Jesus is coming to the very culmination of his mission. He's only 15 miles from Jerusalem and only a few days now from the cross. All his focus is on getting there. And all his focus is on laying down his life to save you and to save me. He's surrounded by and followed by a great multitude, it says. No doubt they were loud. No doubt they were boisterous. No doubt there was all kinds of noise and conversation. And yet somewhere in the midst of all that cacophony. He heard one voice. One voice. Jesus, have mercy on me. And he stopped. He stopped. He stopped everything so could he, he could help this one needy man. So Jesus stood still. You ought to underline that in your Bible. And every time you come to that passage in this, as you're reading your Bible in Mark, you ought to praise God for the glorious truth 
that it has to say there. Because when a person feels their need for Jesus and cries out to Jesus, he will always stop whatever he's doing and listen to and answer that cry. One person wrote, there is reason to believe that even if Christ were creating another world, the cry of a needy soul would cause a temporary postponement in the operation. He stopped. And those nearby told Bartimaeus that Jesus had stopped and was calling for him. And he did something there. He did actually three things. First of all, he threw aside his outer garment. I don't know why. Perhaps he thought it might have tripped him up and avoided or prevented him making it safely to Jesus. He cast it aside so it wouldn't hinder him. He stood up and he went to Jesus. Can you imagine him? He couldn't see. So could you imagine him feeling his way, the crowd trying to direct him as he makes his way to Jesus Christ. Jesus asked what he wanted, and he asked for sight. He asked that he might see, and Jesus healed him. And said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well, verse 52. Now that's what the New King James says. That phrase, made you well, literally means saved you in the original Greek. Your faith has saved you. So here's Bartimaeus. He felt his need for the Savior. He ran to the Savior when he heard him passing by. And in so doing, he found his Savior and was saved. Jesus was clear, though, wasn't he, that that he wasn't saved simply by feeling his need. And he wasn't saved simply by casting aside his garment or running to Jesus. He found salvation by believing. Jesus made it clear. He said, your faith has saved you in verse number 52. Bartimaeus believed. And that's what saved him. That faith is what accomplished it. Let's think about that for a minute because it's important to understand what that is. How did he believe? What was his belief? First of all, we notice that he did have an intellectual faith. Verse number 47, And when he called him son of David, that was a messianic term. And so by calling him that, he was indicating his mental assent that this man is the Messiah. There was an intellectual component to it, an intellectual belief, but that's not what saved him. Because the Bible's clear, you can, you can believe like that all day long and not be saved. The devils believe that way, James said. You believe there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. James chapter 2 and verse number 19. Mental assent. Just believing there was a man named Jesus. Even believing that Jesus fulfilled a certain role. It's not enough. It's the first step. It has to happen. But it's not enough. Saving faith goes beyond that, and it did for Bartimaeus, because he not only recognized who Jesus was mentally, it got into his heart. There was a personal element to this. Look at verse number 51. He used a word there in addressing Jesus, which is only used one other time in our New Testament. That's the word Rabboni. Rabboni is a personal form of the word rabbi. Rabboni means my teacher. Rabboni means my master. My Lord. The only other time that it's used in the Bible is in John chapter 20 by Mary Magdalene. When Mary Magdalene stood outside the empty tomb and she heard Jesus and she turned around and saw him, her risen Lord, and said, Rabboni, my Lord. I remember witnessing to a couple some years ago across my dining room table. I remember sharing the good news of Jesus with them. And I remember the young woman was especially uh, listening, listening very, very well. I don't remember the husband particularly so much so, but I, I do remember the young woman. And I remember her reaction when we came to this place, where this place where her mental ascent gave way to 
heartfelt belief, personal belief. I told her Jesus died for her. I told her that if she'd been the only one, he would have died for her. And I remember when the tears started to come. I remember the tears landing on my kitchen table. I can still see that little pool of tears there. Because it got from here to here. It's not enough to believe in your mind. It has to be personal. It has to get into your heart. You need to believe not only that Jesus died for sinners, but that he died for you. One of my former pastors used to say, we won't go to heaven head first, but heart first. Bartimaeus believed. And it was not just head belief, it was heart belief. But even that isn't where it all stopped. There was something else that he did here. He cried out to Jesus for help. And his initial cry of Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, increased in intensity. As Think about it. He, he, he wasn't getting a response at first, and he no doubt thought he's going to pass me by. And we get to verse number 48, and we see that he cried out all the more. There's an interesting word study for you if you want to do it, the two different words that are used there and the intensity of that second cry. Over and over we're told in Scripture that if we would find salvation, we need to ask for it in faith. That component cannot be left out. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whenever I consider that verse, my mind goes back to a sermon I listened to by Alistair Begg when he, he, he made this simple kind of haunting question. He said, if the Bible says that calling on the name of the Lord is a component of salvation. What does that say to the person who simply will not call? Of course, we know what the answer is. Bartimaeus felt his need. He believed in his heart that Jesus could meet that need. He cast aside anything that would hold him back. He ran to Jesus asking for the healing and salvation that could only come from him, and he did it publicly. Jesus asked him a question in verse number 51, but do you have any doubt that Jesus already knew the answer to the question? He knew what he wanted. He wanted him to confess publicly. Just as we're told in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I must ask, and I know I'm preaching to a crowd of mostly believers this morning, but there may be someone here today who has not yet gone down this road. Have you felt your need? the Savior? And have you run to the one who could save you? Have you found that Savior? Because if, if not, don't let another minute pass. Not another minute pass without falling at the feet of Jesus and asking, you know what he's going to do? He's going to stand still. He's going to stop the entire universe to meet your need. Well, one more word. And that's the word followed. And I'll just mention it and we'll be done. Followed. Bartimaeus followed his Lord. The very last words in this section say that Bartimaeus, having been healed and saved, followed Jesus on the road. Verse 52. We could almost overlook that. We could almost think it's just kind of a something we don't need to discuss, but it is important. He followed his Lord. The natural progression. It should be the natural progression of every believer. He felt his need. He found his Savior. Then he followed his Lord. That's the way it ought to be. He immediately became a Christian by faith, and then he became a disciple as he followed Jesus on the road. That meant leaving behind his former life. I imagine in my mind's eye, I'm weird about this kind of stuff. I like to imagine this kind of thing. But I can just imagine as the crowd had gone by. I can imagine somebody coming along afterwards, cleaning up after this crowd. And I can imagine them seeing this tattered cloak. 
laying there alongside of the road. Maybe some little, I don't know what he used, some little container that he used for his begging, left behind, laying there. Every step now for Bartimaeus was a step taken with Jesus. He followed him on the road. And think what that meant. He was following Jesus now toward Jerusalem, even to Jerusalem, which was only 15 miles away, where the cross loomed. Powell, in his, his book, The Man Who Could See Without Eyes, wrote this. The man in this story had rare eyesight even before he met Jesus. First of all, he saw that his greatest need was to meet Christ. Secondly, when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, he saw that his greatest opportunity had arrived. And thirdly, when the people standing by told him to be quiet, he saw that he could not afford to remain silent. This could be his last opportunity. And it was. Christ was on his way to Jerusalem, and he never returned to Jericho. Bartimaeus felt his need, and in believing he found his Savior, And then he followed him in the way. Only one question. Have you done that? Have you done that?